0: Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Interesting words. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. How many are familiar with the season of Lent in the church, okay? How many are unfamiliar? Maybe your church tradition did not celebrate it or or, or not celebrate, but observe it. Um, I, depending on your church background you may be very familiar maybe not familiar at all but you know a lot of people are at least familiar you've heard something being said about giving up something for Lent right oh I'm going to give up this for Lent I heard a uh, uh, I think I think it was one of Tanya's grandkids that that said yeah for for Lent he was going to give up school for Lent you know, which I kind of misses the point a little bit, but, you know, just need a little bit of instruction there. Anyway, because um, a lot of traditions do that. For the season of Lent, you give up, you know, some some give up sweets, give up meat, or, you know, social media, TV, could be really any number of things. But Lent is about so much more than just giving something up. That's a lot of times what it's reduced down to, um, it's 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 about much more than that. Lent, what Lent is, for those that may be unfamiliar, Lent is the 40-day season beginning with Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday, and leading up to Easter. It's a season of preparation, a season of prayer, a season of self-denial. It's a season where we examine and prepare our hearts leading up to the celebration of the resurrection. Now, For any of you uh, type A people and that like numbers and start counting, you will notice that if you count from Ash Wednesday until Easter, you've got more than 40 days. You've got a few extra days. That's because technically the Sundays during the Lenten season are not counted as part of Lent. That's because Lent is a time of uh, uh, of self-denial and it's a time of uh, 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 just uh, examining ourselves and so forth. Sundays are a celebration of the resurrection of Christ. So they're technically not counted as part of Lent. How many have ever wondered why there's more than 40 days in the 40 days of Lent? Okay, anybody wonder that? No? Nope? Okay, I didn't think so. But just in case you were, you know, I, I didn't want you to be able to or to have to lose sleep or anything. So anyway, today is the first Sunday during the Lenten season. So we're going to begin a series today on uh, the season of Lent. And the season is called, or excuse me, the series is called... The Road Less Traveled, borrowing from Robert Frost's famous poem, The Road Less Traveled. What we're going to do over the next several weeks is look at the road that a disciple walks. We're going to look at the road that a disciple walks. It's a road with rough terrain at times, and and we're going to look at how to navigate things like the setbacks or the disappointments, the struggles that, 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 that all of us encounter on this road of discipleship. You know, when Jesus said, he didn't say, go out and get all people saved. He said, go out and make disciples of all nations, discipleship. Uh, is is the goal and that is what we're uh, looking at and you know we this road that we're on though we often like to talk about all the benefits of being a disciple of jesus and there are so many. There are so many. We've got the promises that are given to us in His Word. There's a peace and a joy that, that nothing in this world can match. There's, there's victory over sin. There's victory over struggles in life. There's a new identity in Christ. There's the strength and the comfort and the encouragement that comes from His constant and continual presence with us. So many blessings. But at the same time, the road of a disciple is not always sunshine and roses. I mean there are some difficult challenges. I mean look look at Jesus' life. He faced temptation, he faced opposition, there were times of self-denial, there were times of loneliness, times where he was he was misunderstood. The world tells us that that though that that we should take the easy way. The, the world tells us that we should take the path of least resistance. You know, I mean, why make things harder than we need to, right? But the path of re- least resistance is not the road that Jesus took, and it's, it's not always the best path to take. The life of a disciple is that less traveled road. The, it's, it's not the easy way, but it's the right way. In Matthew 7, Jesus said this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I want to be among the ones that find it. I want to be the one the, among the ones that, that walk in it and that live in it. So let's be bold enough and let's be brave enough that when we come to that divergence in the roads, when we come to that fork in the road, we take the one that's less traveled because that's the one that's going to make all the difference in our lives and in the world. Don't be too quick to follow the crowd that's going down the wide road just because that's the road so many others are on. And we're seeing that a lot these days. But, but you know, consider where it's taking you. We all love shortcuts, right? We love shortcuts to the extent that, extent that often we find them too much to resist. For example, you wanna get healthy, you wanna lose weight, I could lose some, then join this plan, eat whatever you want you don't even have to exercise how many have heard that advertised before I mean that's my kind of plan that is my kind of plan I can eat all the the strawberry shortcake and pecan pie and quality black licorice and all the yes I see that one back there no shaking your head no <laughs> I mean I can do all the things I want I could eat you know go in and get all the 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 I'm going to be hungry, just saying it. Triple cheese, bacon burgers, you know, and everything, everything I want, and not even have to exercise, and I can lose weight if I just sign up for this program. Or else I just have to wear this contraption or wrap myself in something, and the pounds will just melt off as I go about my daily chores. Or you want to become financially secure? Just sign up for this seminar, and you'll be earning six figures in no time. Whenever we hear about shortcuts, when we hear about uh, you know shortcuts are an easy way to something, our ears tend to perk up. But the fact is, there are no shortcuts for the best things in life. There's no shortcuts for the things that matter the most. And just as you can't get a gourmet meal out of a microwave, you cannot short su- shortcut success. You cannot shortcut A solid marriage you cannot shortcut a stable family you cannot shortcut the process of Christian discipleship you know change is a funny thing often we resist it we fight it we run from it but other times we want change and we want it now right depending on what it is. We either fight it or we want it and we want it now. But lasting, positive change is not something that happens overnight. If you want to make a difference, if you want to make a difference in the kingdom of God, settle in for the long haul. The success of your life and the impact of your life, it's not going to be seen in months or even years. It's going to be seen over decades. The long haul. So if you're serious about discipleship, Settle in for the long haul. Know, know that it's, it's going to take time to, to, to become a solid, mature, productive follower of Jesus Christ. There are no shortcuts. See, in the life of Jesus, we see, um, to a great extent, a prototype of what, the disciples, uh, uh, what a disciple's life will be. Jesus said in Luke 6.40, he said, Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who's fully trained will become like the teacher. Now, in some respects, our journey is going to be different than Jesus' journey. I mean, you know, most likely we are not going to be flogged and crucified, at least not in this country yet. Um, And that's, you know, not a part of our journey. But in other respects, it's going to be very similar. We all suffer through betrayal. We all suffer through times of being misunderstood. We all suffer through times of, of being falsely accused. It's not popular, but the life of discipleship includes times of self denial, times of obedience, times of, you know, it, it's submitting to God's will when our flesh cries out against it with everything that is in us. Today we're going to take a look at a brief text in, uh, in which Mark gives us a quick outline of the early days of Christ's ministry. And these events mirror our journey as Christ followers, as disciples. And, and, and there are no shortcuts. So let's, let's read our passage. In Mark 1, starting in verse 9. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. (laughs) And at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. As we talk about taking the road less traveled, I'm going to give you three essential characteristics of that road that will lead us to maturity in Christ, maturity in as disciples, as followers of Christ. First of all, the road less traveled, the road to maturity, involves a season of preparation. Involves a season of preparation. As Jesus began his public ministry, he was baptized by John in the River Jordan, and the Bible says in verse 10 and 11, it says, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open And the spirit descending on on him like a dove. And 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 a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Quite a start to his public ministry. What we need to see is this. Before that day arrived, there were years of preparation. Quiet, background, no frills, no flash. Behind the scenes preparation. From the time he was a child, he was preparing for this day. From the time he was young, he was spending he spent time in 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 Joseph's workshop. First watching, then helping as he learned the trade of being a tecton. Now what's a tecton? Tecton is the Greek word uh, for it, and we typically think of Jesus as being a carpenter, but it's more accurate to say he was a craftsman. He was a craftsman because the 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 the, the Greek word tecton can either mean a carpenter or a stonemason. So he was a craftsman working with wood, maybe sometimes working with stone. For years, he lived the simple quiet life of a craftsman, quietly waiting for his time to come. No spotlight, no public platform, a relative unknown, I say relative unknown because what was known about him was his the shadiness about his conception. He was considered illegitimate, so he had all the whispers, but other than that, unknown and yet what did his heavenly father say about him he said with you i am well pleased now this didn't come at the end of his ministry this came at the very start of it so why why did he say that what what did jesus do during those 30 years to warrant that comment all those years of learning a craftsman's trade he was also learning something else something that's indispensable for a believer. Hebrews 5.8 tells us, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. He learned obedience. Those years of preparation up until his public ministry began when he was 30 years old, those, all those years of preparation were part of the learning process. At Jesus' baptism, the Father was saying, in, in effect, okay, now you're ready to take your message to the world now it's time you've been preparing your whole life for this now it's time someone said in order for god to use you publicly he must first tutor you privately that's the season of preparation that every disciple experiences now what does our preparation involve it involves first of all being a student of the word a student of the word. Now, now, think about this. Remember the story when Jesus, was 12 years old, he gets separated from his parents. Their parents are like three days home. They'd been to Jerusalem, and they're they're three days into the long walk home, and and all of a sudden they realize, hey, Jesus isn't with us. He's he's not with you know our our, our relatives. He's not. Oh no, he's missing. You know, and and um, kind of like when you ever see Home Alone. When they're on the plane, and all of a sudden, the mother just gets this—you know, like—who is it? Kevin—is that his name? Kevin's missing. You know. Anyway, I I could just see Mary's face, and and they're um, so they they go back to Jerusalem. They look for him. What's he? Where 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 do they find him? What's he doing? He's in the temple. He's 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 there instructing all the religious leaders. He's there instructing them. As a 12-year-old kid, he's teaching them. Now, how could he teach them? Because at home, up to that time, he was a student of the Word. He studied at home. He learned the Word at home. His parents taught, you know, taught him the Word. He was a student of the Word. We can't prepare to be used by God without first becoming a student of god's word preparation also involves a commitment to prayer a commitment to prayer not occasional prayer a commitment to it consistency developed over time not just god i need this i need this and you need to do this by tomorrow and this by next week but communion with god times where we're just thanking him times where we're just loving him times where we're talking to him and just sharing our heart and times where we're listening to him a commitment to prayer to communication with god preparation also involves being faithful in the little things faithful in little things just as jesus was faithful in the day-to-day details of doing the work of a craftsman i mean i can i can i i i can just see him i i i can just see joseph telling jesus they're building something this time it's out of wood maybe they're building you know a table and it's time to make the legs for the table i could just see him saying okay now remember Jesus." joseph saying now remember jesus measure twice cut once measure twice cut once and he, 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 he learned, it's, you know, he, and he was faithful to do that. He was faithful to do all the, all the things. We need to be faithful in our day-to-day details of the work God has put on our plate, the small things. Even when it's a responsibility that's maybe not part of our long-term plans, our faithfulness to each task prepares us for the greater work that he's called us to do. that he has for us part of the preparation process and being faithful and little little, is being faithful in the little areas wherever god has placed you today that's why you know jesus told the story about the 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 master who said to a servant well done my good and faithful servant you've been faithful in handling this small amount now i give you many more responsibilities let's celebrate together see every time you obey even in the smallest way you take one more step closer to being prepared there's no shortcut to being used by god there's no shortcut to spiritual maturity there's no shortcut to becoming a mature follower of jesus christ a season of preparation is necessary part of the equation i knew i i i i was friends with a guy when we lived in fort wayne we'd gone through school gone through training for the ministry and And, um, you know, the part of the preparation and he was he was uh, in probably his mid to late 40s. He was switching careers and he felt God called him to, to, to into into met in a ministry and while everybody else was saying okay look for a place where you can serve look for a church where you can serve in look for a church where you can you know uh uh take a role just doing whatever they need you to do and serving in this and serving that he said no i'm already this late in the game i've got to go out and i'm gonna find a church and i'm gonna pastor and you know he looked around he finally found a church up near the michigan border and uh 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 Went in and just, you know, they, they hired him as pastor. He went in and started pastoring that church. A year later, he was totally out of ministry. He hadn't gone through the preparation process of what was necessary. It's a, it's a necessary part of the equation. The road less traveled or the road maturity to involves a season in the desert. Right after Jesus was baptized, right after he heard his father say, "With you I'm well pleased," the gospel of Mark tells us at once the spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was in the wild animal and he was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Now Mark gives us a abbreviated account of this. We know more details from the other gospels in Matthew in Matthew and Luke, we learn that Jesus spent the 40 days fasting. And during this time, he was tempted by Satan to take his own shortcut through life. See, Jesus knew what he came here to do. He knew he came to take away the sins of the world. He knew he came to preach the gospel to the poor. He knew he came to proclaim the freedom for prisoners, to offer sight for the blind, to release those who are oppressed, all those things that we see in Luke chapter 4. He knew he came for that, and he knew what he came to do, and he knew that the cross was a part of the plan. And Jesus came, he he came to go to the cross, and here was Satan saying to him, I know a shortcut, I know a way out. Just turn your back on God, give your your allegiance to me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. The easy way. The prince and the ruler of all the kingdoms of the world said, look, I'll turn them all over to you, all you got to do is give your allegiance to me, and you don't have to go to that cross. I mean, think of that. Jesus stood bold in that moment and said, get out of here, Satan. He said, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus was saying, in effect, I refuse to take a shortcut. I'm going to do this the Father's way. Now get out of my sight. Some of us need to learn how to tell Satan, get out of my sight. Get lost. Some of us need to learn how to stand up to him and say, no more. I'm not listening. If you want to know that, this, that it, this road less traveled of disciple that Jesus calls us to, it includes without fail a season in the desert, a time of testing, a time when the opportunity is presented to you to, to take the easy way out, of, but a time when we have the opportunity, opportunity to say, absolutely not. There's no shortcut for me, no easy way out. I'm not taking it. I'm doing this God's way. Even if it means I'm in the desert the rest of my life, no matter what the cost, I'm living my life God's way. Third characteristic, the road less traveled. It involves living your life in forward motion. Forward motion. I mean, you see the sequence of events here. Jesus was baptized by John. Then Jesus spent 40 days in the desert. Then shortly afterward, John was arrested and ultimately beheaded. Mark writes in, one, in chapter 1, verse 14, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of John. So let's see this here. John baptizes Jesus while Jesus goes off in the wilderness, John is arrested, he's put in prison, and then Jesus comes out of the wilderness and he, and he goes throughout Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The significance of how this is phrased is interesting. Because John's in prison, while John was in prison, Jesus had the chance to backpedal. He had the chance, he could have returned to his work as a craftsman. He could have maybe backed off his preaching to make it a little more acceptable to the establishment, make it a little bit more politically correct, or he could have hidden himself in the desert and spent the rest of his life as a hermit. But instead, he kept moving forward. God had called him to preach the good news, so he went out and preach the good news in spite of what happened to John, in spite of the opposition that, that, would, that he would certainly encounter. He kept living his life in forward motion, doing the work he'd been sent to do, proclaiming the message that he'd been sent to proclaim. This week, we were at the uh, uh, More Love, More Power conference in Urbana, Illinois. Powerful conference, powerful time of worship, powerful ministry, powerful testimonies. Testimony after testimony of people whose lives took major hits, either in the past or currently. But they continued to live in forward motion. They continued to press forward. They continued to, to sing about and to declare the goodness of God one of the ladies that was leading worship stopped and gave her testimony. And, and I, 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 I can't remember all of the details other than I know she had had several miscarriages uh, and uh, uh, her husband had, had died twice. Uh, you know, and they brought him back and, and other, uh, all this stuff was going on in her life. And yet she was singing out Top of her lungs about the goodness of God, and when she was declaring the goodness of God, she was declaring the faithfulness of God. She continued to move forward, and there were other testimonies. One of them we're going to try to get here on video, but to to uh, to share it with you. But you know, in spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering, in spite of the things their families were experiencing. One of, the worship, or one of the conference uh, uh, coordinators had his uh, uh, little girl was taken into the hospital. Pastor die, her mother was dying. I mean, in spite of all the pain and suffering and things their family were experiencing, they pressed forward. They continued moving forward. They didn't allow themselves to stop. They didn't allow themselves to to, to back off a little bit. At some point in every disciple's life, there needs to be what you could call a come-what-may moment come what may, in which you say, I'm moving forward, come what may. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm moving forward in God's direction, come what may. There's opposition all around me, but I'm moving forward, come what may. May cost me everything, but I'm moving forward, come what may. Just like Jesus, you and I have a mission. There's a reason why you're here, And regardless of whatever the specifics of your purpose in life be, your mission includes living a life that brings glory to, to Jesus Christ and bringing others into closer relationship with Him. You're here to do kingdom work. God has been preparing you for this work. And He's waiting for you to say, no shortcuts for me. I'm ready to live my life in forward motion. God's way. Come what? May. Just takes a minute to say that, but it takes a lifetime to live it out. Can't microwave Christian maturity, it's a process, it takes time. God is calling you and me to settle in for the long haul the long haul, come what may. There needs to be a time of preparation in which we're committed to the word and we're committed to prayer and committed to obedience. There will be seasons in the desert, not just one. There'll be more than one, believe me. Seasons in the desert, seasons marked by struggle that ultimately become defining moments in which we refuse to take the easy way. There also be needs to be an attitude of focused determination to keep living life in forward motion. Come what may, I'm doing this God's way. No shortcuts. When you try to shortcut God's plan plan for your life, you ultimately end up only shortchanging yourself and finding yourself on a dangerous path. Today I'm going to ask you to see this moment. This moment. Today, now, as a defining moment, a moment in which you can say with total abandon, God, I'm surrendering all to you. I am yours. Prepare me, empower me, use me as you will. Today, I'm going to live my life for you, come what may, and I'm in it for the long haul. Worship team, come up. I'm going to pray. And if this is your prayer, if this is what you pray, you want to pray in your heart, then just as I pray, just in your heart say, yes, Lord. Me too. That's what I want. Yes, Lord. Lord, prepare me to fulfill the destiny which you've placed on my life. Make me a student of your word. Psalm 86, 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Teach me your word, Lord. Teach me to pray continually and not just asking you for things I need, but to pray continually and just have that continual fellowship with you, the back and forth communication Build in me faithfulness in the little things, the smallest of things, the most seemingly insignificant things. They may seem insignificant to us, Lord, but sometimes their significance is just in teaching us faithfulness. Teach me that, Lord. Build that into me. Sustain me through the desert seasons. the hard times times of struggle and may I always keep my eyes on your goodness and on your faithfulness and keep me moving forward come what may whatever gets thrown at me may I continue to press ahead never standing still and never moving back. In Jesus' name. And you, if you agree with that prayer. If that's on your heart. Join with me. Amen. Amen. I'd like to ask our rushers to go ahead and get ready. We uh, are going to. Have the ushers come and pass the bags, and there's two things for the bags. One, your tithe and offering. If you want to give, uh, uh, if, if, if you tithe and give your offering in cash or check, go ahead and place it in the bag when it comes by. If you prefer to give electronically, just go to our website, BloomingtonVineyard.com, and look for the, l- click on the link or the little icon in the lower right-hand corner of the uh, screen, and... Uh, that'll lead you through, walk you through the process there. Uh, but also as the ushers pass the bags, these green cards that you filled out earlier, go ahead and place that in the bag and we will make sure that it gets to where it needs to go. Now, if you're visiting with us today, it's your first time here, we're asking you, instead of placing the card in the bag, take it to the table right outside these double doors and, and across on your left, Uh our welcome center, <laughs> and hand it to the person at the table there. Uh, we have a gift bag that we've prepared that we'd like to give you just to say, hey, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for coming in and, and worshiping with us today. And um, so we can give you. go ahead and give you that gift. Um, let's stand as yeshers come. We'll close out on, on one more song. Lord, as we close out on this song, as we, as we uh, uh, lift our hearts to you one more time in worship, just come and touch us and visit us as we give you our tithes and offerings. Take it and use it, multiply it, use it to, to bring your kingdom, to bring hope, to bring help. Lord, we give you our lives. And we worship you now in Jesus' name. I'll leave you with a blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. We'll see you next week.